0: Hey there, Parallax Views listeners. On this edition of the show, we're going to be speaking with Ray and Boris of the anti fascist podcast The Empire Never Ended about a particularly strange subject, namely the neo Nazi Satanist sect known as the Order of Nine Angles. In recent years, the 09A, along with the Adam Waffen Division, have come under greater scrutiny due to the threat of neo-fascism and neo-fascist terrorism in the United States and Europe. Now, I know what you may be thinking. Come on, JG. Neo-Nazi Satanists? This is coast-to-coast and material. And maybe that's true. I do like a good episode of Coast-to-coast and, after all, but... This story gets rather interesting when you factor in the involvement of a federal informant. There's also a very interesting case that is sort of a centerpiece to this discussion that involves the seemingly successful infiltration of church and state by Order of Nine Angles affiliated individuals in Montenegro. So, with all that in mind, let's get right to it with Rayan Boris of The Empire Never Ended podcast welcome to parallax views ray and boris from the empire never end it podcast how are you guys doing today
1: great thank you thank you for having us yeah it's awesome
2: we're already stepping on each other we just started (laughs) yes so this has been
0: oh. a long time coming because I've been listening to uh, The Empire Never End It for, you know, on and off for the past year or so, and mm-hmm. I guess I wanted to have you guys on, and we finally found time to do it, uh, mm-hmm. but maybe first, before we get into the main subject, which is the strange group known as the Order of Nine Angles, and, um, this Nazi Satanist order, essentially, before we get into that, maybe you could talk a little bit about what the... Empire Never End It podcast is about. Uh, I know it's an anti-fascist podcast, but it differs from a few of the other uh, podcasts that deal with chronicling the sort of movements of, of post-war fascism. So g- give my listeners an insight into what you guys do.
1: Yeah. So we are like three friends who uh, we have a third guy called Fritz, who's not here today. And uh, we come from the like, anarchist and punk scene and uh, anti-fascist one as well. And we were kind of nerds and had common interests, and so decided to do a podcast about our common interests. And most of the things that we focus, we have two areas of focus. One is uh, fascism and neo-fascism, uh, especially American. We did a whole big arc of episodes um, about American fascism, you know, starting from the days of the boond uh, until today we all including like um we also focus on especially kind of more strange and extreme modern groups like the one that we're talking about today that are basically nihilist you could even say um and then the other area that we focus on is the history of balkan uh, nationalisms like also from different time periods and we do uh, we go through themes pretty detailed way. And we do these arcs of thematic arcs. So we really go deep into subjects.
2: Yeah. And, um, maybe sometimes a little too much, I guess, but, um, yes. cause we always end up getting backed up like a century or so when, whenever we talk about anything. Um, but you know, we try to not take some of these groups. Um, well, we take them seriously, but we don't like, um, to kind of talk about them in the way that they want to be talked about so uh, we take some liberties with you know uh how we portray them and make fun of them and the like Um, especially with the o9a because they're incredibly easy to troll
0: i I was going to say also you guys you sort of cover um you know this idea of the deep state at times how does that tie into your work
1: well we, we tied to the you know to the whole idea of the state so like it's you know being, coming from an anarchist point of view you know okay this deep state idea is kind of trendy but the anarchists were always the state and didn't really have illusions about you know um, the the dark side of the state if there is another one for us i guess i would say uh you know the security services the uh, police and so on so we, we want to cover that uh, area from, a I guess, a different point of view, the one that's not dominant today, but to also connect it to the general kind of critique of the state and capitalism.
2: And because we do actually also talk about, like, intelligence services quite a lot, and especially when we we're talking about, like, post-war fascism or some of these in our current arc, um, you know, uh, Emma Gray... Um, terrorist groups from the former yugoslavia during the cold war you kind of have to talk about some really kooky cia shit um yeah because i mean they were doing and and backing like you know some of the craziest guys that were active at the time
0: so the order of nine angles this is going to be a lot to unpack uh, yes. because this is just <laughs> a very weird group and i also think it's a group that you know, it it sort of reminds me of how people try to portray um, you know, like the Norwegian black metal scene in the nineties. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, you, you have all these books like Lords of Chaos that yeah. try to like turn um you know the the nineties Norwegian black metal scene into this thing where you know it's like this it's it's almost romanticized, sort of it's very sensational. Sure. Oh, these these black metal kids were uh you know actually avatars for Odin, or whatever, you know, <laughs> it's, it's bizarro stuff, right? But a lot of people have bought into those kind of mythologies when it comes to black metal. Uh, and also, I think they buy into these mythologies when it comes to this Satanist uh, neo Nazi group, the Order of Nine Angles. And oddly enough, uh, the, the black metal connection, I brought that up because, you know, it's been far right elements that have pushed this line about, oh, black metal is actually, you know, an avatar for Odin, the Michael Moynihan type figures, So, Yeah, it it seems like there's a lot of romanticism all around when it comes to like the occult sort of far right. Uh, But you know, we can get into that. But what is the Order of Nine Angles for people that are unfamiliar?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the danger in covering these topics. Like like Boris said, you don't want to cover them in the way they would like to be portrayed, you know. So in the case of, you know, uh, Black Metal and that book, Lords of Chaos, like you mentioned, it, one of the two authors was Michael Moynihan, who himself is a, you know, a neo-fascist. So it's no wonder that they were portrayed in such a way. In other cases, people don't do it, you know, on purpose, but they're kind of naive, I guess. Or in the case of, you know... The Order of Nine Angles is all, almost like be, be, the majority of material, are, uh, and there's a lot, there's like tens of thousands of pages about the Order of Nine Angles uh, published since, you know, the 70s until now, is produced by one guy, like one very weird guy. And I guess to some people, it seems like unlikely that it was produced by one guy or mostly by one guy. So they, they buy into this story. There is much more there than there isn't um so yeah the, the the that one guy that we talk about when we talk about the order of nine angles is this very strange british man called david myatt who was born in 1950 he's you know a wealthy guy or, or at least how he says uh, you know of independent means something like this i think his family was a part of the colonial project he spent some time uh, abroad like yeah he his... grew
2: up in in like east africa right and yeah and yeah. he says sometimes in the in the far east and whatever
1: yes so, although, you know, he's definitely a liar and, like, um, uh, really obsessed with himself and has, like, many websites uh, that in which he writes about himself pretending to be other people and having conversations with himself. And, you know, he has websites called, like, Regarding David Myatt, About David Myatt and so on, like, many, many of them um so you know he's create, creating a kind of a mythology about himself uh so it, it's you know you should be very careful when you read these things that you know many of these things are lies but like what we more or less know about him which, uh, what is like uh, relatively well established was that he he's a neo nazi and he was always connected to the more extreme and violent side of british neo-nazism was he
0: which connected like, to, wasn't he connected to like combat 18 and groups yes, like that? yes yes yeah. definitely you, you one of the groups that,
1: yeah yeah he that's one of the groups that he was connected to although you know when you see him you wouldn't say he doesn't like one of the things that's you know peculiar about him is that he Looks kind of uh, I don't know you know when he was younger he had this long ginger beard and glasses. And I it mean was he all- looks
2: like a like very much a troll and and not what you think of when you think of combat eighteen which is like you no. know the big jacked skinhead dudes yes. you know RAC guys like tatted up ready to fight and you know all that he's very much like a a small
1: you yeah. know troll like. Mm-hmm. British guy, pot with a yes. posh accent and everything, you know? Yes, definitely. So already in the 1960s, he was attached to this kind of militant, violent neo-Nazi movement in uh, Britain. He was, in the 60s, he became a, a member of the group called the British Movement, led by a guy called Colin Jordan. And this also, you know, connects him to a, like this lineage of extreme Nazism in Britain because, so Colin Jordan was, you know, in the 60s, a mentor to David Myatt. But a mentor to call cool in Jordan was a guy called Arnold Lees, who was a British Nazi already in the 30s, and who was like the most extreme British Nazi at the time. He called Oswald Mosley a kosher fascist because he wasn't uh, uh, you know enough anti-Semitic according to him. And Lees was connected, you know with Julius Streicher in uh, Nazi Germany, the guy who published the notorious uh, Der Sturmer, Uh, newspaper which was you know this horribly anti-semitic like even by nazi standards newspaper so this is like the lineage that he comes out of um in the 1970s he created uh, with another nazi called eddie morrison uh another group called the national democratic freedom movement or something like this and uh, around that time which that group was basically known as uh like even by other nazis it was characterized as a as a gang basically um and Around that uh, time, he was allegedly connected to a, like a secret paramilitary group called Column 88. Now, this is something that we don't have a lot of information about, even about this group. This was alleged by a, an old British anti-fascist research group called Searchlight, who wrote about Column 88 already, I think, in the 80s and uh, connected Mayed to the group, in, I think, in the 90s. So, you know, allegedly this group was kind of a connected to the British deep state, uh, especially to the British military, was led by an, uh, an officer, a British officer who was himself a fascist and a supporter of Arnold Lee's. Um, and some allege that it was uh, basically a British section of the, you know, notorious Gladio operation. Although, you know, we don't have uh, much information about it. There is like one English language book about Gladio, and it doesn't mention Column eighty eight. You know, so we don't really know the details there. And we, but we know that David might himself likes to point out this possible connection and make himself sound more kind of mysterious and interesting. So I don't know, which doesn't mean it's not true, but you know. Um, and then in the 1990s, like you mentioned, he was a part of the Combat 18, basically terrorist gang. Uh, this group was, you know, a group of football hooligans and skinheads that at first was a kind of a security group for the British National Party and then became its own independent terrorist group. Uh, in the late 90s, there was an internal struggle in Combat 18. Uh, one of the leaders, Charlie Sargent, was accused of being a part of a murder uh, against another member of Combat 18. So they split into two factions. Charlie Sargent was arrested um, and uh, David Myatt was uh, uh, loyal to Charlie Sargent. And then uh, Charlie Sargent and David Myatt split and formed their own uh, group called the National Socialist Movement. And in 1999, the uh, london nail bomber david copeland uh who bombed in three um, three weekends in uh, london he bombed um, different areas of london targeting i think the black bengali and lgbt community there he was a member of the national socialist movement and when he was arrested they found some writings by david myatt in his flat
0: that's in like Uh, april of 99 right the nail bomb yes yes yes. okay Go on.
1: And around that time, or maybe just after that, David might allegedly converted to Islam and became a, a supporter of Al Qaeda and so on, which was quite fashionable among Nazis at that uh, time.
0: Yeah, that's where well, things get really weird. When it, when I try to talk to the to people about this, um, It yeah. gets into the whole like, I mean, he basically uh, tries to portray himself as a jihadi. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yes. Uh, but 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 that was fake, as we know. Um, uh, so. So the other thing, you know, that this other dimension to him is that this whole time he was an occultist or, to be more precise, a Satanist. So he created this thing called the Order of Nine Angles, um, which he claims, you know, so he, he wrote different, you know, autobiographies and then claimed himself. Some of them are forgeries and so on. Uh, he also, you know, as a leader of the Order of Nine Angles, he assumed a different name, uh, Anton Long, and then he also denies that he's Anton Long. You know, Constantly denies most, that he's well, Anton Long. He, most of the time, he, 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 he spent on denying he's Anton Long. But um, he also wants you to think that he's Anton Long, but also to deny it. You know, he's that kind of a guy. Um, so we have some suspicions about uh, this whole history as he describes it, Um and uh but okay i will get into that but just some 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 characteristic things of the order nine angles just to know what it is first first of all it's very in original you know even if you uh, take the name that he assumed you know anton long we are immediately you know reminded of anton LaVey of church of satan so it seems yeah. that like he stole that from that then the name, you know, the Order of Nine Angles, um, it seems that he stole it from a ritual of the Temple of Set by Michael Aquino that had a ritual with that name. Then the origin story that he gives is very reminiscent of the origin story of Vika, you know, because he supposedly met this mysterious woman in the 60s who, you know, initiated him into a, like an, an ancient um uh, uh, lineage of you know m- British magicians which was the order of nine angles and so on so he seems that he stole mo- most of these things from other uh, occultists um, they are of course very Nazi uh, he you know it, it's all about the Aryan race and its ga- uh, galactic destiny you know the the Aryans would cre- uh, inevitably create a galactic empire. If there were no Jews oppressing them, you know, so like if uh, we get
2: over the Magian myth of the Holocaust, basically the Aryan race will be able to like ascend to, you know, colonize, you know, the universe.
1: Yes, they use this term uh, Magians for the society we live in. And by that, they mean the Jewish dominated society so if you reject it and especially if you deny holocaust that's, that's the how the you know the jews control you uh, according to them then you know uh, the, the, the the you know the galactic empire is the destiny of the white race and then they essentially kind of um, also adopt a quasi nietzschean point of view where they want to you know further human evolution by creating some kind of an ubermensch uh, uh who would be a ruthless individual which is you know beyond good and evil uh or essentially evil really uh you know uh amoral so you know you will get to space by you know being an asshole and that's how you will you know yeah. <laughs> further human evolution is basically the idea um they also believe in you know dark gods and an a causal realm and so on, a lot of stuff like that but so uh Two other things that are characteristic about them is, uh, you know, about their practice and how they want to further this human evolution is insight roles and culling. So insight roles is basically infiltration um, as a part of their, you know, modus operandi uh, is that you you need to uh, uh, infiltrate uh, various major groups and organizations that are, would otherwise be very foreign to you as a person so you know uh, for example david mayat claimed that he was both a christian and a buddhist monk they often suggest that you could be uh, a become a cop or a soldier or a freemason and things like that and that's supposed to further your own uh, development as a you know individual but also kind of destabilize the major society in some way they think
2: Right. I mean, you're kind of supposed to do the opposite of what you feel like you are. So if you're really into order for, let's say, then you try to infiltrate like an anarchist group or something. If you're, you know, super hardcore into Satanism, you, you know, try to become a Christian for a little bit. And, you know, there's all this kind of hoity-toity language about it too, but um, that's, that's essentially what it is.
0: Yeah. So I, I don't want to get like too ahead of ourselves here, but Mm -hmm. I I know one of my thing that's, things that he's done in the past i guess few years is this whole like oh i have rejected extremism and now he (laughs) pretends he's a hippie is that part of this whole like infiltration and uh becoming what you hate type thing or what, what what is his whole modus operandi there
1: well, that's I think a part of uh, this kind of idea that he has. Like that's also a stage in this development as a person. He wants us to believe that you know somehow he went beyond all of these things. And now he's and also I think it's a part of not wanting to go to prison. I think yeah. that's also self-preservations oh, a, a big yeah.
2: part of that as well because yeah. like as as you know the notoriety of the 9A grew especially in, in the UK there were lots of calls to make it illegal right and so a lot yeah. of that is him covering his ass you know anytime that like something went a little bit too hardcore he'd always say i rejected extremism
1: right yeah, yeah. you know Never said he rejected Nazism or fascism, but always uses this very broad term extremism. You know. Yeah, because he makes new kind
2: of more acceptable versions of uh, yeah. of his Nazi ideology, right?
1: But uh, by the way, the whole time that he uh, was uh, supposedly, you know, rejecting extremism, he remained an active, uh, you a member of the Order of angles, But we'll we'll talk about it soon. So the other characteristic thing is this so-called culling, which is basically, it means human sacrifice. So uh, unlike uh, many other Satanists, uh, these actually claim that they kill people. Um, So, you know, they call it culling and the the victim is called an offer, um, the German word for the victim, just they use it. Uh and uh, you know, so you're supposed to, as a part of your uh, progression through these different, you know grades that you have, like almost like in Freemasonry, in the order of nine angles, at some point to become an external adept, I think, you need to cull someone. You need to choose and then you in a ritual where you're supposed to kill that person. um So, okay. Uh, but we had some, okay, as I said, some, uh, you know, we thought that many of these things are kind of bullshit, especially the way that he describes this uh, history of the order line an- angles. And um, and then recently we got some confirmation of that because some people who were kind of attached to order line angles or even members of like very militant groups like Atomwaffen would occasionally, you know, like ex-members would write to us and send some of their Uh, things and experiences and so on so we got um, some internal conversations from the order of nine angles yahoo group from 2013 which basically at the time was the the order of nine angles what was this yahoo group you know and uh a person there called who calls herself chloe ortega who was um, for a long time they uh or for a few years she was the so-called um what was the, the outer, outer representative, outer representative,
2: yeah, representative spokesperson, yeah. basically, um, which, yeah. you know, is ironic because they always claim to be a a subculture that, you know, obviously yeah. isn't an order, even though order is in the name. Mm. But they have an official spokesperson and yeah. and Chloe occupied that role for some time.
1: So she worked with David might through the Internet because she's American. So they didn't I don't know if they ever met in person, but they communicate through the Internet. Uh, worked for years and then she gave her own idea of uh the history like just like a, a kind of a chronology of what the ordinary angles was through the decades and she said from 1972 until 1990 it was just david Myers. It, uh, you know until 1990 this was just an idea in his head through the 90s until 2005 she says it was him and his best friend a guy called richard malt there were the two members of the uh, Order of Nine Angles. Richard Malt is like a relatively successful British musician and um, a painter. Uh, And that we knew for for a fact that he actually was a member of the Order of Nine Angles. And then she says, and this she's writing in 2013, in 2005 started a a third phase. Um, And she says that this is how uh, David Martin uh, called, you know, he created this idea of these three phases himself. Uh, in conversations with Chloe, and you know in 2005 roughly uh, what happened was you know the the internet okay so through the internet uh, you know the order of nine angles kind of proliferated on the internet and really for the first time there were other people in different parts of the world being a, a part of it you know and then they created this yahoo group so you had like what they call nexians or you know the local chapters of um the order of nine angles in different parts of the world but still like this is not a lot of people uh, who were connected to it and who mostly just talk on the internet so around 2013 they kind of got bored with this they thought this is not evil enough and David Myatt was like very frustrated because especially because uh, there was some fictional book that appeared at that time that portrayed uh, Order Nine Angles as, you know, the antagonist in some kind of a novel. And David have thought that, you know, this fictional version of the Order Nine Ang- Angles is much cooler and more dangerous and more evil than, you know, the actual Yahoo group that exists there. Um, so uh, in, they were, in the end, concluded somehow that Chloe Ortega, who was the author representative, was to blame for this, that, you know, the Order of Nine Angles became too soft. And so she resigned. And what happened, you know, she re- resigned at her, you know, outer representative uh, position. And uh, so the idea of David Myatt at the point, uh, that time was that someone, you know, other should, uh, more evil and more hardcore should assume this role. And so the, it was given to the Temple of Blood. Um, so the Temple of Blood was an American uh, nexion of the Order of Nine Angles, which was, in it's, you know, rhetoric, much more, uh, even more depraved than the other ones, and really, you know, completely uh, took over this idea of becoming a rootless individual, a predator, basically. So, this is a group that, you know, promoted uh, serial killers, pedophilia, child murder, and so on. Uh, so, at that point, they decided okay, we need something like that to create an, a, a truly evil uh, Order of Nine Angles.
2: And also comes from like a real, you know, Nazi milieu too, because Joshua Caleb Sutter, who um is, you know, the co-founder of the Temple of Blood, you know, we later found out that he was an FBI informant, but he comes from like a Nazi family. His his dad was a Christian identity preacher. Yeah. Um, he himself was involved in the Christian identity movement until he went to prison. And then kind of when he came out, he got into Satanism and then specifically into like the O9A informed his own Nexian or chapter
1: yes so we would say that you know in 2013 a fourth phase uh of the development of the order nine angles came to be when you know uh temple of blood took over it basically in some sense so you know this guy as you know boris mentioned joshua caleb sutter he you know was one of the leaders of the Aryan nations and in 2003 he went to prison and after that probably formed the temple of blood uh he was at the time accused of being a snitch by other leaders of the Aryan nation so he kind of split with them and with his wife who's also a temple of blood leader called Gillian hoy started doing weird things you know he he discovered david myatt in the late 90s probably early 2000s he did an interview with david myatt for an Aryan uh, nations publication around the year 2000 i think and so when he Uh, got out of prison, uh, he and Jillian started doing, you know, weird things, but more understandable if you know that he's, you know, Order of Nine Angles guy. So they started uh, like a supposedly leftist group called the Rural People's Party, which was like this kind of a weird group that adopted, you know, Mao and Pol Pot and Jim Jones as their idols. Um, Then they uh, wanted to take over the tiny, like pro-North Korea uh, movement that existed in America, which was in contact with North Korea, but which, which was actually led by a homeless like poet from Seattle, and they wanted to take over this movement. And then they had like this idea of actually murdering this homeless poet. The jillian was supposed to seduce him and poison him just in order to take over this small, small, almost non-existent organization. The journalist Nate Taylor wrote about this. You can read a long article about this whole. Ordeal. Um, around that time, they were also infiltrating the Hare Krishna movement, and then they started their own version of it called uh, the new Bihar Mandir Temple, I think was the name of that group. Um, now, as you know, Boris said, uh, since this whole time, since 2003, when he was in prison, Joshua Sutter was also a, a confidential informant for the FBI who was paid by the FBI. We now know more than a hundred thousand dollars. I think maybe 140,000. I'm not sure. Something like that. That seems
0: yeah. to be a big thing with a lot of these far right people there. They're <laughs> yes, always accusing yeah. each other of being FBI informants. And I, you know, part of me is like, I think they're all informing on each other. <laughs>
2: it seems oh, so. absolutely Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Especially, like any like American Nazi group, a good, like, you know, maybe half of them have at some point been snitches. You know, yeah. like it's it's just the name of the game. Although, I mean, he really rode that out for a lot longer than a lot of the other guys. You know, because most other guys fuck up and you know go to prison for something else, or you know they get found out. And he really, you know, from two thousand three till what last year?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, That's that's a pretty good run. Yeah. Uh. So in two thousand fifteen, Atomwaffen Division is uh, Division is formed. So this is one of these siege build groups that we did episodes on, you know, extreme neo-Nazi terrorist groups, basically founded on the Internet that adopt, you know, this book by James Mason called Siege as their Bible, which is an extremely, you know, pro-violent kind of anti-social Nazi book, also celebrating serial killers and just, you know, destroying yeah, like the especially society.
0: Charles Manson, I think, right? Oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah,
2: the yeah. Big yeah. thing yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah james mason called him the greatest national socialist thinker since hitler
1: yeah yeah they love manson yeah and james mason was a friend of uh, like charles manson they were in contact
0: also a uh, friend of that guy we mentioned earlier michael moynihan so it ties ah, back yeah, to yeah.
1: The black <laughs> yes yes yeah. well michael moynihan actually you know uh, he made siege into a book uh, because siege was originally a, a newsletter published by uh, james mason and then michael moynihan uh, collected all of it and made a book, and he was the first publisher, it was his idea to make a siege into a book. Um, So they were founded in 2015, and around 2017, uh, two guys uh, became the leaders of Attenbach Division, who were also members of the the Temple of Blood. Uh, Those guys were John Cameron Denton and Caleb Cole. And we know that Denton, at least, was into, you know, Order of Nine Angles bef- before even Atomwaffen existed, like since at least 2013. And um, I think, I don't have proof for this, but I think that at, around that time he came into contact the temp- uh, with the Temple of Blood um, and, you know, uh, Sutter, and then was already affiliated with him when uh, Atomwaffen was started in 2015. Sutter was a member of Atomwaffen, I think, early on, but was not very active in it. And then when there was a change of leadership in 2017, when their first original leader went to prison because they found some explosives on him, I think. um, Two guys who were affiliated with the Temple of Blood took over Atomwaffen. And at that point, in addition to Siege, the Temple of Blood book called Iron, Iron Gates, written by Joshua Caleb Sutter, also became... A required reading for all of the Atomwaffen members mm-hmm. and Iron Gates is like a horrible I mean you in know in like in different ways like horribly written but also the contents is horrible of the book a uh, like kind of a dystopian post-apocalyptic novel uh, that also promotes all of these horrible things that we mentioned you know like murder child rape pedophilia and such things Um, And this became like required reading for uh, Atomwaffen members. They had this slogan before, you know, read siege. Now they also had this slogan, read Iron Gates. And uh, uh, from that point on, Sutter also became one of the leaders of Atomwaffen. And because there were more uh, ideologically aligned groups to to Atomwaffen popping around, you know, different uh, spots in the world. Sutter also developed some connections with other groups as well.
2: Yeah, and and you know when when you talk about Adam Waffen, you also have to mention the Iron March forum, yeah, um, which is where you know Adam Waffen basically was formed, and that was you know kind of the most extreme neo-Nazi forum um, that was run uh, by a guy from Russia, um, an Uzbek guy from Russia, interestingly enough, and also had like you know members from all over the world. So once you know Adam Waffen came into being. And once, you know, uh, all this O9A Temple of Blood stuff was being promoted, that also, um, kind of spread around on, on Iron March as well. Although there were differing opinions on, in, within Iron March about the O9A, some of them, including the founder of Iron March hated the O9A, others didn't. And so, you know, but it, it definitely gave it a bigger audience for sure. Yeah. And
1: so, um, mm. So in a way, there was, um, you know, in a way, uh, now, uh, today, uh, David Myatt is kind of uh, denying that satire was ever a le- legitimate part of the Order of Nine Angles and such things that he was, you know, uh, an obvious, you know, f- fed uh, plant uh, who took it in a direction that he never had anything to do with the original Order of Nine Angles and so on, which is completely false. It's a lie. But not only that, I would say that, you know, through the activities of, uh, you know, through Temple of Blood taking over, Uh, The Order of Nine Angles with Mayat's Blessings in 2013 and then taking over Attenwaffen in 2017. Really, um, the Order of Nine Angles was in a way created as an actual existing group, not only the one that exists on the Internet. Like that was the closest thing to the actual Order of Nine Angles in terms of like actual, you know, chapters that existed in a few places who were organizing camps training being armed and even killed some people
0: yeah i Uh, I was gonna say real quick that this is good background because i I know you know i used to follow some of these like weirdo occult circles back when i was like a teenager i just found it like interesting not even just not even like necessarily far right ones but you, you know you would always hear occasionally about the order of nine angles but really it was like Hyper obscure back then, in like the the 2000s, and then I remember, like, it felt like only a few years ago. Really, you just start hearing about Order of Nine Angles in, like, you you know, the Daily Beast and all these other publications.
1: (laughs) That's true. So, I mean, this lasted basically until Satter was outed publicly as a as a Fed, which I I I'm not confused. It was this. I think it was this year actually, or last year. I think it was this year. It, and he's like testifying you know against uh atomwaffen members and we know the name of his uh, like handler agent moser of the fbi and so on you know and the whole time he was like you know taking the money from the state and uh, using it to start a publishing house that published these horrible nasty books and spread this ideology and it's pretty amazing but um so we wanted today to talk about this other, you know, nexion of the Order of Nine Angles that we kind of found out. This also has a pretty amazing story um, that, you know, has a bit of a different history. And we all uh, you know an older history at, uh, uh, with the Order of Nine Angles. We already... Uh, see them you know in these conversations in 2013 about who will be the alter representative they're already present and this is a, a a group called the ABG Lodge which is short for the Astral Bone Gnoras Lodge right real, real,
0: real quick before we get into that um mm-hmm. and I, I'm not trying to like kill your um the, the role you're on right now but you know I, I brought up that I was doing this episode on the order of nine angles to uh one of my friends uh that, that it's like relatively left-leaning politically and You know, I think when you bring up groups like the Order of Nine Angles, people just look and say like, oh, these are just, you know, deranged goofball people. Like, why should I even focus on this? And I I get that to some extent because these are, you know, goofy people, in my opinion. (laughs) Like, why, I guess, why should my listeners care about this? Uh, Because I do see people that will react to like, okay, these just sound like insane people.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, they are insane people for sure. And um, like, as Ray said, it wasn't really a real thing until relatively recently. But when it did become a real thing, some of the onina people or people claiming some sort of ONA affiliation have done kind of all kinds of things around the world, um, you know, mostly murders and stuff like that. I mean, there's arsons and stuff that, you know, is you never know whether it's O9A connection or not because once, you know, there's stuff that happened in Russia and, you know, they claim that there was an O9A annexium, but you never really know for sure. But I mean, they are active in these circles and they do have a particular like popularity among, of course, like the most extreme people. So like, you know, in its rhetoric, you know, you can look at anything that temple of blood wrote and it's just straight edgelord stuff that like, you know, isn't, it's shocking, but it's there for its shock value. But, you know, a lot of some people that get it really into the temple of blood actually believe it, right? They actually want to do it. And the the interesting thing about insight roles in particular is that, right, there's this idea of infiltration, which most of the time, you know, is very obvious. Like, you know, Most of the people are goofballs and weirdos. So like, it's, you know, it's not hard to spot like a niner, you know, like, I I doubt that very many of them are actually particularly successful in whatever, you know, insight role that they take on. But there are, of course, exceptions as well, right? And people that, you know, the guys that we're about to talk about are a good example of that. But we've also heard that, like, you know, there were some other... 09A affiliated people that did, you know, become like, you know, what was it, like an Anglican priest, Ray? Um, remember uh, that one guy wrote to us about that? Um, I mean, so, I mean, they, there are people that can, you know, yeah, you know, more, more work their way into some stuff. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, there, there are like a few reasons like why your listeners should care. I mean, first of all, you know, the, it's very, it's amazing, but we know that the FBI cared very very much. You know, the FBI, you know, paid this guy for, I don't know, almost 20 years, something like this. And his primary job was, you know, they would say informing on these people, but he was really the leader. He, you know, as, as we said, basically created the real uh, Order of Nine Angles in this period, which is very, you know, strange that they would do this, or maybe it's not, I don't know, that's a, like a topic for discussion. Why, why are things like this happening? And then on the other sense, you know, it's definitely this this ideology, which I think is prim- primarily very nihilist, you know, this is like a very nihilist, bleak ideology, you know, it definitely uh, attracted some young people. And, um, you know, and some actually, some ex-members, uh, after we, you know, uh, covered this topic, they, they did write to us and told us that like the way that we kind of approach it helped them kind of get away from that ideology, because they realized it, how ridiculous it is. And it doesn't, you know, for what it was. Um, but at the same time, we have to acknowledge that, you know, today, unfortunately, these things are uh, attractive to a lot of or some young people who then become very destructive, you know, so you know, some people got killed, you uh, uh so you know in that sense it's important
0: yeah i was just going to add to that it sounds like e- even with the whole ridiculousness of the ideology right i mean you yeah. y- you can look back at the 80s right i mean I, I, you could read something by like the order or the Bruder schweigen and, and say okay these are just crazy neo-nazis but they were involved in like assassinating allen berg and committing arson so like you may view the ideology as inane you know racialist nonsense but Mm. they are involved in actual violent activities that have an effect on our communities
2: yeah yeah and, Yeah. uh, and with the o9a too it's like um it is something that pops up in certain subcultural circles too like like you mentioned black metal but like you know um as there's like a kind of increasing interest in occult stuff um in you know like punk and metal scenes too you, you see some like weird creeping o9a stuff now like as ray said like you know we take a different approach and so like i don't know there is a lot of hype around the o9a that i think is unwarranted and a lot of it comes from kind of like a satanic panic kind of perspective which is like you know oh uh, the you know the most evil satanists that are you know everywhere and they are infiltrated everywhere and they're here to like you know murder your babies and stuff like that and what you know, we're trying to say is like, no, it's, it's not that. And we don't like, I don't care about like Satanism, (laughs) you know, like, that's not a problem to me. It's, it's that, you know, this was created to, you know, get people into that are interested in occult stuff also into not neo-Nazism. And that's what should be pointed out with it. And, you know, just try to like emphasize that, okay, yeah, they're Nazis. This is the problem. There is like, you know, a political dimension to this that you know i it I it's not like you know the most evil satan is taking over the world i just
0: that's uh, the other thing i wanted to ask about real quick and then we can get into the um mm-hmm. this lodge that you were talking about before but um how much of this whole like uh like so-called like their, their so-called spirituality like oh we, we have to become the most hated thing possible uh ergo we're going to be nazis how much of that is just covered for like you know, actually just being Nazis, Do you, you know what I mean? Like they, they almost act like it's a spiritual exercise, but is that just cover for, you know, this is what we really are. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I, I think so. I think they're kind of cowards, right? So like, um, I mean, this whole thing was built to be like a vehicle for Nazism into the occult. And so when they get called out on it, they're like, Well, no, you see, since we want to be the most extreme, what does Magian society hate the most? They hate Nazis. And so, you know, we're Nazis. If Magian society hated, you know, communism, we'd be communists or or you know, whatever. But that's not really how it is, because they are just Nazis, right? And um, you know, when they try to Kind of dial back on that. They still contextualize it within National Socialism, because ultimately, you know, they say that National Socialism is misunderstood or something like that. You know, you know, Hitler didn't want to exterminate everyone. You know, he didn't have a choice. You know, with the Jews and stuff. But you know, I mean, Richard Molt, who was you know the second member of the War Department Angles for much of its existence, you know, he left as a member officially after the nail bombing cause shit got too hot for him. Right. And so then David, my invented something called Reichsfolk, which is like, you know um, the, what's it called? Ethical national socialism. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the kind of thing that they always dial back. <laughs> they always try to like, when, you know, even though they want to be, you know, the most evil guys around when some, you know, when the state comes down on them or something like that, they can say, well, you know, Ethical national socialism means that, you know, we, you can be a national socialist of all races, you know, except for Jews, but like, you know, Chloe Ortega, for example, is like Cambodian American. Um, And like, she writes a lot about like how Cambodians are also like Aryans as well. And like, you know, true Aryans and connecting it to like, you know, Buddhism and stuff like that. So, no, they can take this kind of multi approach, but ultimately it is rooted in national socialism and that is what they believe in.
0: Yeah. So it it sounds like they they're like I want to be oh so evil uh, yes. up until the point that they could get thrown in jail. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> then there the numinous, you know. And uh but like David Byatt he he wrote in uh, himself in one of these like autobiographical texts how um, in the 70s, he was basically suggested by this paramilitary group that we mentioned, column 88, with ties to the Deep State and so on, to start an, an occult group. He doesn't name it, but we, you know, it's the Order of Nine Angles. And in that text, he says that the idea was for the occult group to be a honeypot, as he says, like uh, some, a way to attract occult people into Nazi stuff. You know, so in a way he uh, says it himself in one of the texts that he wrote, you know, but is that, uh, you know, true or does he uh, say that to make himself, you know, sound more important, you know, that, you know, basically he's saying that, you know, the order of nine angles has some kind of deep state origin there. Um, I don't know. So then I I had interrupted you earlier, we were
0: going to Mm -hmm. talk about this lodge, the ABG lodge, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Abg Lodge was like fascinating for us. I mean, they have like a very different story from the one that we covered now, like with the Atavaf and so on. But very interesting because they are actually like people who are in their country, relatively prominent and like with some influence. And they are like members of the Order of Nine Angles, which I think is a unique uh, case. Uh, And they are based in the Balkans in Montenegro. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about them, but maybe we should also give some political historical context to in which they operating.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I guess we don't have a ton of time to really go into like the nitty gritty of, you know, Montenegrin political and, and religious history. Um, but what's interesting about, as, as Ray said, the ABG lodge is that, yeah, the two members that we know about that are, you know, for sure, at least one of them is like the founder of the ABG Lodge, um, you know, are involved in government and and religion, specifically um the Montenegrin Orthodox Church. Uh, this guy who is, you know, a longtime O9A guy is now an official priest. When we first looked into this, he was um what was he? He was um a deacon. Yeah. Deacon, right. Yeah. I was trying to think of the term because <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like uh there are many confusing orthodox terms uh and deacon is not one of them but he, he mm. was a deacon and then he rapidly became a full-blown priest and is in charge of you know kind of one of the parishes um that they have and his wife uh, milanik was in the uh, montenegrin diplomatic service um i guess she had Served in a few countries, but including the Vatican, which is which is kind of funny. Um, uh, but was her last position was in in Turkey before you know she got into some hot water, not O9A related, but kind of O9A related in some ways. Um, and you know, got kicked out of the diplomatic corps and all that. Um, but let's like, I guess, back up real quick and just maybe explain maybe the montenegrin orthodox church cuz maybe most people aren't familiar it's not a montenegro is not a particularly large place to begin with right it has like 600,000 people um it's you know only been it's been independent in modern history since 2006 so you know again um not a lot of reason why most people around the world know about montenegro um so the montenegrin orthodox church let's i guess go back to 1918 Um, in our show, we always have to go back to 1918 seemingly. Um, but if we take it, maybe even a little bit before that Montenegro was an independent kingdom before the first world war, um, it entered the first world war on the side of its ally, Serbia and the allied powers, um, and ends the war by joining, um, the kingdom of Serbs, Croats, and Slovenes. Should be later known as the Kingdom of Yugoslavia, and this is where this contention starts that um, these 9 A people have been able to exploit in order to gain positions uh, in you know the church and state in Montenegro, and that's this split between you know uh, Montenegrin nationalism and, and Serbian nationalism within Montenegro,
1: um, so. Because in, in Montenegro, there are people who identify as Serbs and the ones who identify nationally or ethnically as Montenegrins, but they're actually of the same ethnicity. Like all, It's like a political division. They're often people from the same family, but they just see themselves in different ways. Right. They're
2: predominantly Orthodox Christian, right, and have, yeah, as, as Ray said, can have the same last name and, and identify ethnically in different ways. And that's largely because... Um, you know, Montenegro was independent or quasi independent for much longer than almost any of the other Balkan states. Um, they managed to maintain some degree of like autonomy, both during like the Ottoman Empire and under the Venetians and the like, and mostly under this dina- dynasty of um, Petrich Njegoš, which I think ruled from like the 1690s until 1918. Um, and they were both heads of the church and the state in Montenegro. And the contention here is that the head of the church was one of the divisions of what we know as the Serbian Orthodox Church. Or at least they kind of saw themselves that way uh, because as you know, the Ottoman Empire expanded into the Balkans, most of uh Orthodox territory, all of Orthodox territory was either under the rule of, uh, Muslims or Catholics. Right. And so you had kind of at various different points in that, like, you know, 500 year history, different churches that were allowed to exist in different places. Let's say put it like that. They're usually either called patriarchates or metropolitanates, but they see themselves as like the rightful successor of this Autocephalous Serbian church that existed before, um, you know, the Ottoman Empire. Um, so 1918, um, there's an assembly in the capital city of Podgorica, well, the now capital city of Podgorica. Um, and there were two f- opposing factions there. One was the whites who were favor in favor of annexing, annexation, and joining with Serbia under Serbia's monarchy, the Karadzorzic dynasty and the greens who still favored some sort of union with the other South Slavs, but under a kind of more confederal role and with a greater um, role for the petrovich negosh dynasty within this kingdom, specifically this uh, King Nikola I, who was in exile in Italy. Uh, the whites won, uh, but obviously there was quite a bit of contention leading to something called the Christmas Rebellion in January of 1919, which is um when you had a an armed insurrection of these pro-Montenegrin forces um under you know this guy Kutztozanov Popović who we've done episodes about um kind of he's an interesting figure because he was like a World War I hero, then a leader of the Greens, um then exiled, made contact with Mussolini, um, you know, during the, the 30s, and then starts a collaborationist militia during World War II. And uh and like in and actually in our story that we're gonna tell about the ABG Lodge, um, Nikola Polixic, um, who is this, you know, O9A guy who became a priest, um, has like there's videos of him like singing songs praising this, you know, nationalist leader. Um but you know, that's, that's kind of on the state end. So you have this kind of division between the whites and the greens. Um, and in terms of the church, um, all these separate patriarchates and metropolitanates that had been located in either the Habsburg territories or in the kingdom of Serbia and the kingdom of Montenegro come together to form the Serbian Orthodox Church in 1920. Um, so this is, you know, kind of the officially recognized church, but for some Montenegrin nationalists, they never accepted that. Right. Um, and they never accepted the annexation to Serbia and, and and whatnot. And so this is kind of a completely moot issue until 1993, 1993. Um, this guy named Antonia Metropolitan Antonia, Archbishop Antonia, um, Antonia Abramovich, who was Initially, a member of the Serbian priest in the Serbian Orthodox Church who emigrated to the US in the 1960s, um, served in kind of the Orthodox Church of America and the Russian Orthodox Church outside of Russia, which we've also done some episodes about. They're kind of interesting, like anti communist uh, America based churches. Um, he decided to come back to Montenegro in the 90s after he had already retired, which is in the 80s, to jumpstart the Montenegrin Orthodox Church. And nobody's exactly sure why, whether it's because he was a committed Montenegrin nationalist or because he had a long-standing beef with the Serbian church going way back to um, his days as a monk. And uh, he was very upset by not being given this monastery that he very much wanted or you know whatever either way uh he doesn't last for long he dies in 1996 and the church gets taken over by this guy archbishop mihailo in 1997 who runs it to this day kind of old guy um but he kind of made the Montenegrin orthodox church into something um and by that <laughs> it i mean that it's they had they started to get churches but in the Orthodox tradition, you can't become autocephalous until you are recognized by other churches that are autocephalous, and there's a whole line of succession, there's a way that you do that. And these guys didn't do that. They found some other like kooky spin-off church called the Bulgarian Alternative Orthodox Church to ordain him as Archbishop of this new Montenegrin Orthodox Church, which got them excommunicated and, um, from all official churches, uh, all official Orthodox churches, which is kind of a big deal in that world. Um, but not totally unique because what they later did is get support of some Ukrainian churches of which there were like two or three at the time, uh, that were in exile that now are recognized as autocephalous by like, you know, a lot of, um, mainstream churches, including the Patriarch of Constantinople is kind of the biggest deal in, in, <laughs> in the Orthodox world. So that's a very long winded explanation of what the Montenegrin Orthodox church is. Um, Now, politically, they find themselves in this kind of Montenegrin nationalist category, right? Um, they don't have a ton of support, but they do have, you know, some churches, they have some monasteries and they have some figures in the Montenegrin state that are supportive of them. And that is particularly true with, um, the party of, uh, the longtime ruler of Montenegro, Milo Djukanovic, who, I guess, next to, um, I think Europe's longest running ruler now, um, from, like, 1991 till about 2020, right, when his party yeah. uh, finally um, lost its majority. I guess he's, what, second
1: to Lukashenko,
2: no? Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Although he changed his position at times. He was the president, and he was the prime minister, kind of Putin-style, I think. Yeah, I mean, Erdogan yeah.
2: does that, too. Yeah. Um,
1: Although, un- unlike, you know, Lukashenko, Yukanovich is, uh, mm-hmm. since there like... Mm, uh, early, like middle of the 90s, he's very pro-Western, and he has the support of the West.
2: Yeah, so he never gets talked about as a strongman, even though he very much is, and you know made a a very large fortune uh, through like cigarette smuggling in the 1990s and the like. You know, very corrupt regime, but he uh, started to give a lot of support to this Montenegrin Orthodox Church, and of course, he is their first like independent leader. You know, in 2006, he leads the referendum to independence. So what role do these guys play in, you know, everything that I just described? Well, Mila Niktevich, who, like I said, was in the diplomatic corps, she comes from like a politically connected family uh, that is connected to this ruling party, longtime ruling party in Montenegro. So we're not exactly sure when she got into the diplomatic corps, but it's kind of largely agreed that it came through some sort of, you know. Family connections, and you know, probably you know some degree of corruption, nepotism, um, because she's not particularly qualified to do anything, um, and yet you know she becomes some sort of like attaché, or you know, uh, has some sort of role in in the Montenegrin diplomatic corps. Um, and you know, all during this time, so you know, while she's out posted in you know Belgium and the Vatican, and then later Turkey. Her husband, Nikola Polixic, is very, very active in the order of nine angles. Like Ray said, he's one of the guys that was in it before it was a big deal, right? He's like an OG niner, right? You know, he was in the Yahoo group with Myatt and and Chloe Ortega and all these other people. And, and, you know, really wasn't doing much other than that. uh, From what I can understand, I think he was just tagging along. On these <laughs> on her diplomatic postings and just you know running uh, onine shit. So he was for a while right the editor or co-editor of uh, the onine's official journal
1: called Fenrir. Um, for what? two issues or three issues? A few. yeah, and uh, that's also important because uh, uh, in editing that uh, those issues of Fenrir, he closely collaborated with the Temple of Blood. So that that's those are the you know issues that are in a way co-edited by the Temple of Blood and also these people from Montenegro. So you know <clears throat> there will be an issue that is edited by this guy Nicola, but it also includes you know chapters from that disgusting book uh, Iron Gates that was written by Joshua Sutter. So they they collaborated closely uh, closely on common projects.
2: Right, something that you know, again. Like you said, Ray, most 09A people deny now. Myatt says that, you know, Temple of Blood never had a big role. Um, You know, Nicola himself kind of distances himself from the Temple of Blood, but we know that they collaborated for years, right? And that, you know, he was in direct contact with Joshua Caleb Sutter to the point that, you know, the FBI paid for one of Nicola's books to be published through Martinet Press, which is Joshua Caleb Sutter's uh, printing press, right? Uh, it was a a book called uh what's it called, The Kiss of Marana or whatever, which is written with um uh a, a Russian Onine Nexian, um, some sort of like Slavic neo-pagan fanfic. Um, nothing particularly political other than that has, you know, like a black son, son and on the cover. Um, just so you know, make sure that you know it's Nazi. Um, so you know, this guy's living on <laughs> This guy's living on the Montenegrin state's time and just being like, you know, an official O9 guy, until his wife gets kicked out of the diplomatic corps because of a large political issue that was going on in Montenegro that had to do with the church, right? Uh there was a drive by the ruling party to nationalize um some churches and monasteries that are within the possession of the Serbian Orthodox Church, which you know, holds most of the Orthodox, like 99.9% of the Orthodox churches in Montenegro. Um, The idea was that the Montenegrin state would get that back and give it to the reestablished Montenegrin church as it was before 1918. So anything that was, I guess, a a monastery or church before 1918 would then get nationalized and given to the, to this Montenegrin church, which is pretty minuscule, really, um, Obviously they misjudged how that would be received um, by the general public in Montenegro. Cause it started a very big, you know, protest movement, um, you know, spearheaded by the Serbian Orthodox church and kind of really represented by like very extreme, like Serbian nationalists. Um, who would eventually use that to kind of come to power in, in the 2020 elections. Um, you know, through coalitions or whatever, but um, it it caused a lot of problems for, you know, Djukanović's party and then also for Mirna Niksević because, you know, she started kind of angrily posting uh, in, in kind of a very O9A fashion on on her Facebook, which, you know, I guess she wasn't a public figure yet, but she became one overnight because somebody, you know, reposted in, you know, all these nationalist tabloids, something that she said which was, you know, this gathering, this protest gathering in front of the main cathedral in Podgorica. And I'm paraphrasing here. She says something like, if it were up to me, I would shove all that cattle in the church and burn the church down um, and, like, kill them all. (laughs) Which, you know, obviously was not particularly well received. And, you know, it was a big scandal. She became a household name overnight. It it was a scandal because she was a diplomat. Yeah, because she was a diplomat and because she said she wanted to, you know, put you know, yeah. whatever however many thousands of people were protesting this you know controversial uh move to annex and nationalize church property and said that like you know i would burn the church down. <laughs> um now you know she then you know gets kicked out but she still has um some support within like the Montenegrin nationalist community and um she doesn't really do all that much other than comment and, you know, go like on, on you know, Montenegrin news sources and, and, you know, whatever, appear at rallies and the like. In the meantime, I guess Nicola decided that, you know, uh, he needed to find a new form of employment, given that, like, you know, they weren't living off, you know, the Montenegrin state anymore. And he decides to try to join the Montenegrin Orthodox Church. Now, the interesting thing about this church, like I said, it's pretty small, um, and it's still pretty small, even though it has more supporters now than probably ever. Um, They only have a few priests and one bishop, I think. Uh, no, they have like I think three bishops now. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. One is in um, Vienna, I think. They have mm. one that like represents the Montenegrin community in Western Europe, and they have one in Argentina too, where mm-hmm. there's like an old school um, Montenegrin community from like you know the nineteenth century or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know they're really desperate for priests. So you know if you know anything about like the process of becoming a priest in most conventional orthodox churches, it's not a very easy process. Like you become a deacon, it's hard to you become like a subdeacon and then a deacon. And you, you know, this whole process can take like decades to become a priest. You know, they ordain you when they think you're ready. Um, so, you know, this guy whose main qualification is nothing. I mean, he's literally an O9, O9A guy. Um, he was a
1: metalhead, you yeah. know.
2: He was a metalhead, he played in some bands in Podgorica and whatever, um, you know, but was into some sort of spirituality, right? He um he knew some stuff like as much as any kind of nerd who gets into like, you know, world religion or whatever, because you know, he had also kind of his own attempts at insight roles, like he he also had um a kind of Hare Krishna derived sect, right? um he had agnostic church that he registered as a thing um you know using his google drive that that's how we later figured out who he was um and and so like you know it's not clear to me when exactly he entered the church but he entered and went up pretty quick so i mean we we found out about them you know when we started reading about the o9a and knew that there was a balkan nexian we're like that's pretty interesting let's see who they are and eventually it wasn't actually that hard for us to find you know this guy in particular but what we didn't expect is to see like you know a few months after we found him like pictures of him in like church robes like uh you know celebrating easter with this with this archbishop uh you know giving him easter eggs and and the like and we're like how the fuck did this happen and it turns out um i mean there were some other uh guys who left the montenegrin orthodox church and and started their own churches after we published this um article about these guys um this ex member of the church said well you know uh this is this is really archbishop um mihailo's fault like you know anybody can become, be- become a priest there and like you know they'll just advance you overnight like they don't vet their people at all and i guess they didn't because you know this guy's just clearly a Satanist. <laughs> he never tried to hide it really. Um,
1: so well, he, he's denying it now. Um, well, he's denying well, it now, but he made it well. e-
2: even easier for us because, you know, the first ever O9A interview with like a major media person. Jack uh, Hanaran, right? In yeah, Jack Okay. Right, right. And Sorry,
0: I got his name wrong there, but go on.
2: Uh, we got it wrong a bunch of times. So I feel bad about it. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that hard, but it's kind of a little bit of a tongue twister for those of us, you know?
1: I mean, this, this
0: is all like, so just not to interrupt, but this is all so insane to me. I mean, this is a guy that started at a church called the, the Gnostic church of Christ Lucifer.
1: Yes. Yeah
2: yeah, yeah. 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 And I mean, like I said, like he didn't try to hide it. You know what I mean? Like when I found him on Facebook and like, he's friends with all these guys from the fucking church, like I'm scrolling through his pictures and it's like, you know, the Gnostic Church of Christ Lucifer and like links to like order of nine angles stuff. Like it's, it, you know, like these people had to have been complete idiots or really not know anything about. I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're priests. I mean, they should know something about the occult. No, I, I don't know. Like you can't recognize like obviously Satanist symbols. I don't know. So what happened with this media interview he did? Well, right. He gets on anonymously. Right. Um, we, figured out pretty quickly who it was because, you know, he says he's based in Montenegro. Uh, we had already kind of found him at this point, um, but we're still like trying to make these connections. And so, you know, he admits well, these all these- these guys
0: have poor OPSEC.
2: <laughs> oh, I mean, the O9A in general has no OPSEC. That's what makes them kind of so fun to cover because like they end up doing, you know, they, yeah, they use Yahoo groups. They like chat openly on facebook not even in like dms you know they'll write comments be like who's running the official 09 a page now you know <laughs> i'm like i'm like they'll be like oh yeah it's nicola you know what i mean like they they do not have any concept of that maybe now i've actually personally
0: more. seen that because uh i remember when I, I remember when i guess the order of nine angles did this thing where uh they claimed that i guess david maya had died i don't know if you guys remember that a few yeah. years ago. But there was someone I knew that was familiar, and I found out they were. Uh, later on, I found out they were actually part of one of these Nexian cells. Mm. Uh, but I I'd contacted them, and I was like, "Oh, did, did you hear about this? I know you're involved in the occult scene. Is uh, David Myatt, uh dead?" And they just responded immediately. They're like, "Oh no, that's all. You know, that's all just part of the the religion." Yeah, <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> they didn't even hesitate. I was like, "Oh, that was easy."
2: Yeah, I mean, they they know it's all bullshit. Like most of them know. Like, you know, they pretend, of course, like, you know, uh, Anton Long's not David My, but they all know that. Like everybody knows that it's, 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 yeah. Uh, so, you know, he talks to Jake Kenrahan. He admits, of course, being like a longtime member of um, Order of Nine Angles into being an internal adept, which is. Um, or I
1: think external.
2: External. Internal is yeah. the highest rank, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I always get that one mixed up. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's a very stupid fucking ranking system. So there's no reason that anybody should remember it. But, um, you know, he's like a step down from, you know, the top. Right. And so he's really positioning himself as this kind of, you know, important guy in the Order of and, Nine
1: Angles. And that, by the way, would have to mean that he called someone, you know, to become an external adept, you have to kill someone according to their own rules. Right. And Hanrahan asks
2: him about that and he kind of muddles some sort of answer, which was like, well, you know, culling doesn't necessarily mean, have to mean killing. And, you know, if you've read O9A, which Hanrahan has, he's like, no, it absolutely does. And they're pretty clear about that. And like, if you've seen their internal communications, like when they used to fight back in the day, you know, Chloe used to call people out on that. Like, you think you're so hardcore. When was the last time you killed someone? Like, you know, get to culling if you're really all about it. And so, you know, you know, we're you're not sure whether you know Nicole is trying to cover his ass here by being like, you know, obviously not going to admit to a murder or, or something, or if you know they really did bend the rules to the point that like you know stealing something could be considered culling in some way or or you know whatever. Um, either way, he's officially supposed to have done that, and when we looked into it, right, um, we pretty pretty much figured out like, okay, this guy is the ABG lodge, but we didn't really know about his wife being connected until I started looking at his photos, honestly. Um, you know, I had seen his wife and like his comments or whatever. And I kind of figured, I don't know. Okay. She's a controversial politician, but I don't really see like an 9 a connection there. Uh, she kind of, um, politically positions herself as a leftist, um, You know, I think in her like Facebook bio, it says something like Montenegro Nationalist Marxist. um, But I mean, she's also a member
1: of the Liberal Party there. And she's a member of the Liberal Party there, too. Right. Um, Which is a Montenegro Nationalist Party. And she ran in the elections for them. Yeah. Last year.
2: Um, So, you know. I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe you know, she's he's the niner, and she's just whatever. <laughs> Until we found this picture of her reading, of course, uh, Iron Gates. No, uh, it was false prophet. False which prophet. Is... Which is the Temple of Blood, right? It's the Temple of Blood publication. Yeah. uh And we later fig- uh, found out that that picture was really popular in like Adam Waffen circles because it's like a you know, you know, these are usually pretty male dominated spaces like the far right in general and so it's like a blonde woman reading false prophet and that was like a widely shared on like iron march and like adam waffen circles and the like and that's of course her right uh it's it's his wife and this is when she was a diplomat in in like turkey you know what i mean so Mm. like this whole you know that whole time she's also involved with this in some form or another
1: now you know she also registered uh an llc in her own name uh, which you can find in the like uh central B- business register of montenegro and it's called uh nexion uh, yeah. which is you know the ona <laughs> term
2: yeah she has an officially registered organization called nexion yeah. um under her name like i i think i even found that just like searching her name and then i saw like the official business registry in montenegro and clicked it. And i'm like no fucking way <laughs> like, you know. um, mm. So yeah, I mean we we tried to out them on this. I mean, we we published an article about it and it got some attention unfortunately for us and we knew this was going to happen. It became fodder for like this like Serbian nationalist right-wing tabloids in Montenegro. They're like, you know, see what we were saying the whole time? The Montenegrin Orthodox Church is a cult. They're not even Christians. They're satanists. They got this there's this mysterious order of nine angles that uh these british podcasters discovered um which i was kind of insulted by calling us british um but, you know like <laughs> we were hoping that it would have some sort of consequences right cuz it's it's absurd right this guy's this guy's like an official priest in their church. He's, you know, uh, very active in those circles. His wife is like, you know, they moved to the like the heartland of Montenegrin nationalism, the the former royal capital Cetinje, and you know, they're very active there. They're doing stuff all the time. They're talking, he's, you know, he's performing liturgies, uh, you know, Sunday service, all that stuff. And yet they seem not to care. And it's it's a very peculiar situation because we've actually like some people in the kind of Montenegrin nationalist circles, like liberal ones, have reached out to us privately to say like, oh, we are we're trying to distance ourselves from these people, blah blah blah. But ultimately, you know, they are kind of politically useful because if you admit that like the Montenegrin Orthodox Church has a priest who's you know a longtime member of the O9A that he's you know given. You know, interviews to, you know, major media figures as a member of the O9A. Um, of course, he did that anonymously, but later, he even confirms it in another podcast. <laughs> so like, I mean, if you admit that, then it kind of compromises the entire political position of that organization, right? How did they not catch it? It looks incredibly bad. So they're just deciding not to talk about it at all. Right. And say that yeah. like Serbian uh, propaganda, mm. that's, you know, actually like FSB and Russian meddling in Montenegro's internal affairs and that kind of thing. Like,
1: you yeah. know, yeah. So one of these like liberal Montenegrin guys who reached out to us, like he was very confused by why why is this happening. So he went to the bishop of the Montenegrin Orthodox Church, this uh, bishop uh, Boris, who is a very young guy who studied theology in Ukraine and was already ordained there. And uh, he went to him, and you know this is like a, a bishop who kind of presents himself as a very liberal guy, although like a for sure a very montenegro nationalist like in his office he has a a portrait of martin luther king on his wall and so on so this liberal Montenegrin guy went to him and said like why do you have this guy a priest there who's like this nazi satanist and the bishop told him and we know that the bishop knows all of these things and he's a kind of a mentor to Nicole. Uh, he said like well no that's like that's the thing from his youth, you know, like everyone's crazy when he, they were young and so on. And in the meantime, you know, like, I mean, Nicola gave uh, an interview as a representative of the Order of Nine Angles last year, you know, uh, like it is not from the youth. It's like since he was a member already of the Orto- uh, Montenegro Morten- uh, uh, Orthodox Church and a deacon in it and a priest, that he was active also as a member of the Order of Nine Angles and like a high up uh, member.
2: Yeah, it's 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 really fascinating. And that Bishop Boris guy is probably going to be the next head of the church once uh, Archbishop Mihailo dies. He's definitely like um being positioned to kind of take over that role and seems to be very close with Nicholas. I mean, Nicola could, you know, feasibly sometime in the, you know, relatively near future, I mean. Archbishop Mihailo's pretty old at this point and you are, know Are you implying that he could take over the church? I'm not implying that he can take over the church, uh, but he could become, you know, say a bishop <laughs> once once this guy becomes archbishop, what's stopping, you know, him from appointing No, he
1: would have to bishop. be a monk for that
2: and he's married. Oh, right, he's a... married. Right, 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 right. So he can only remain a priest, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I mean, I guess the damage is done anyway. I'll mean, <laughs> just I guess continue to do that. Um but yeah, his wife uh ran for office last year kind of unsuccessfully. Um Mm -hmm. and I I can't tell if they were like really playing with the like occult image because do you remember that um Mm -hmm. their campaign video?
1: Yeah, it's It's like the most
2: bizarre campaign video I've ever seen. It's like this the other candidate that she was running with in kind of like super dark makeup, like standing in this like medieval fortress. Like it looked like, it looked like a really low budget, like black metal video or something, or like, you know, like, <laughs> like a nineties goth music video
1: <laughs> it's like
2: so. for a Montenegrin nationalist, like liberal party or whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, fortunately she didn't really go anywhere with it. And I think that to some degree there image is compromised like more than they'd like to admit because like Nikola has taken to like um writing under pseudonyms that he used in 09 a stuff to publish in like montenegrin like nationalist like newspapers and like online um mostly like online newspapers and the like um that you know unless you knew his various pseudonyms that he's used over the last like decade or so you wouldn't know it's him and obviously i guess they don't vet who writes for these uh, for these newspapers in Montenegro anyway uh, but he's been publishing kind of stuff that contradicts some of his earlier positions right so now since he's a Montenegrin nationalist he's kind of dialed back some of his previous like neo-Nazi positions that he held that were kind of more Serbian oriented Um, so like you know I have posts of his from not that long ago like 2019 where he was like you know praising Dugin uh, for example, and, you know, talking about, you know, Duganism and, and you know, uh, Putin as potentially like a, a new figure for like, you know, national socialism or whatever. Um, and then, you know, last year he publishes anonymously under the pseudonym, an article about Duganism and how it's Russian meddling in Montenegro's affairs and the like. Um, now he's pre- pro-Ukraine. Yeah. Now he's, yeah, now he's pro-Ukraine. Yeah. Um, but of course whether that's part of the insight role or not <laughs> remains to be seen i mean i don't think that he's not a nazi anymore um i think that this was possibly the only successful insight role anybody's overt- undertaken that then got exposed and now he has to kind of run with it right he can't he can't just like leave the church now and be like psych nah i mean <laughs> yeah. you know he's he's getting paid as a priest so i mean I think he's stuck in it, you know. How how does how does this dude
0: square like you know, I mean, so not only is the 09A a uh a neo-Nazi group, but they're like they're like pro pedophile, pro child yeah. murder <laughs> like <laughs>
2: Um, yep. They'll of course say that they're not pro pedophile and not pro child murder. That is something that the, you know, the lying Magian media uses to smear them. Uh, they're actually in favor of culling pedophiles and the like. But, you know, if you've read, you know, 098 literature going back to the very beginning to shit that like David Myatt wrote. There's all kinds of pedophilia stuff in there, and it's all about like you know becoming right above morality and and doing what needs to be done and 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 you know yeah that kind of shit. Um, Didn't he claim in the Hanrahan interview that oh no the
0: the pro pedophile and child murder stuff that's the temple of blood? There's more progressive yes the yes ONA. he said that yeah, yeah
1: but he also said in an interview that the temple of blood is a legitimate part of the order of nine angles he didn't deny that and also we know that like in, two ta- uh, in last year they announced that uh, they are preparing a new edition of henry and this this was before we exposed you know who nicola was and before it was uh, found out that satyr well, is a fed and they said okay the next edition of will be prepared by the abg Lodge, the temple of blood and also this British Nexian, uh, which is led by Ryan Fleming, and Ryan Fleming is this neo-Nazi who was one of the leaders of the National Action there, also like a member of the Order of Nine Angles. and he was already three times in prison because of some sexual offenses against minors. You know, so that's that's a guy who was supposed to co-edit this magazine together with Nicola and uh, Temple of Blood last year.
0: So. Is there anything else we can say about this whole situation with Montenegro, or um, because I had a few questions I wanted to close on? But is there anything else people should know about this situation?
1: Well, there was a very kind of bizarre event that happened in August uh, in Montenegro that kind of really uh, surprised us. We we don't know if it's in any way connected to anything that we talked about, but there was a in August of this year there was a, a mass shooting. In Cetinje which is this uh, town that uh, these two people live in, and you know that's a very rare uh, type of event to happen in you know in the Balkans, and especially in Montenegro. I think it n- almost never happened before, and you know this uh, uh, Vuk Borilovic guy, he uh, just. Uh, went uh, to different houses in his street and just for apparently no reason killed 10 people and wounded six people until he was killed uh like he was even shooting at the police the cops didn't manage to do anything to him and then just some guy shot him like no yeah, he, uh, got, he got killed by the good guy with a gun which
2: happened yeah, to be yeah, yeah. like his neighbor right
1: yeah yeah um, yeah so we were like, okay, this is like, okay, weird. You know, we didn't have any way to connect this, but okay, we know there is a Naxxion in that uh, little town and then there is a mass shooting. And then there, there are like some connections. We don't claim there's any real connection to it, but it's interesting. So uh, the, that the shooter, Vuk Borilovic, we know for a fact that he knew Mirna Nik- Nikcevic because he was also a local politician and they were on the same... Election list in the elections, uh, as Mirna was. Um, the other interesting thing is that, uh, according to the neighbors, he, uh, the shooter believed that he was under the influence of black magic, and that was kind of his thing. Um, and also, we know that he was like, uh, co- that his family was connected to the church, and that just before the shooting, he w- spent some time in the church that day although we don't know in which church was he was it the you know the church that where Nicolas is the uh, priest or maybe it was the Serbian Orthodox Church we don't know but it, it would make sense it was Nicola's Church because that guy was politically aligned with more with the Montenegro Nationalists in these uh, elections so that, that was like a pretty uh, bizarre thing that happened uh, that you know got us thinking if there was any connection we never managed to establish anything more than that I, that I mentioned now. And I mean, we
2: weren't the only people that thought this too, right? Um, yeah. This like Montenegrin political figure uh, wrote to us and was like, you know, there's been a mass shooting, you know, kind of like I thought of, you know, that like, that stuff that you guys wrote. And, you know, it, I should point out that like the place that they live, this former royal capital has like 14,000 people. So it's like really small, right? Everybody yeah. does kind of know each other there. You know what I mean? The and Yeah. Yeah. Which of course had a devastating effect on it town that small, you can know, get 10 people get killed. I mean, the last time something like that happened there was World War II and the Germans, you know, killed like, you know, 30 people in that town. Um, so you know, whether or not there's a real connection there kind of remains to be seen. Although I wouldn't really be surprised because you know that Vuk guy, like I said, was really active in, in that local Montenegrin nationalist movement. And you know, they crossed paths God knows how many times. Um, I think that he was even like Facebook friends with with Nico, or, Um, which Nicole I think, tried to cover up because I think he deleted his Facebook account immediately after that happened and then opened a new one. So who knows? Uh, we can't confirm that, but, you know.
0: So how has the uh, Order of Nine Angles reacted to uh, some of the journalism you guys have done? I know uh, apparently their Twitter account uh, said that you were self tested opfers, which I guess yes. means sacrifices.
1: Yeah, yeah. Then Nicola wrote that. He was the guy who was. Uh, that was before we uh, published who he was. So he didn't know that we know. And he wrote that, yeah. Yeah, he didn't know that another Niner had tagged him in a post when asking
2: who was running their Twitter page. Yeah. Uh, yes. uh But yeah, he did, you know, he. He said that then, you know, once, once we kind of exposed or, you know, whatever published our thing, he took a step back and that, you know, that account hasn't been used, I think, since then. Um, But then, of course, David Mayak kind of got involved in the conversation as well, which involved him like, you know, DMing us and, you know, writing these very long Twitter threads I, I don't know how to describe the bullshit that he wrote other than you know er pompous british bullshit
0: <laughs> yeah that was the interesting thing about that that tweet that Nicolette sent you guys uh, he calls you guys a bunch of pretentious nerds and i'm thinking to myself <laughs> yeah. that that's like the pot calling the kettle there right? yeah 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 oh no oh, yeah, he is probably the most pretentious thing i've ever read
1: yes
2: i mean if you read like anything that they believe in or like david myatt's writings there's nothing more pretentious than that like you know half of it's like you know um entire sentences in greek and like you know footnotes in latin and the like and i mean it's 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 basically unreadable but like you know he considered that to be an insult to us i think we our first episode of like our show we describe ourselves as horrible nerds like yeah yeah it's, uh, not a huge insult there.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, the order of nine angles, they claim there are these kind of uh, what they call the old guards, which are supposed to be these old members of the order of nine angles. Uh, seven of them who are like uh, personally uh, close with David Mayatt and so on, but it's all David myatt Like, and it was confirmed in this like internal uh, communication that we got from 2013. It's it's just David Mayatt who has these seven different personas on the internet. And all of these, you know, seven fictional persons are basically writing to us all the time. And yeah. it's David Myatt, who I don't know why does he write to us all the time, but he does and basically says the same thing all over again. And if you go to our Twitter, uh, to our Twitter you can see the like a lot of uh, pretty pretentious, nonsensical uh, writings, tweets uh, by David Myatt at us that we just now ignore. Like we were kind of making fun of him uh, at some point or arguing but now we mostly ignore because it's just it's too much it's tedious it's really really fucking tedious to deal with them
0: so i'm curious is there anything else people should know about the um the order of nine angles i guess within the broader world of i mean i i always hesitate to say neo-fascism because i feel like it's just fascism and that there's sort of a a bit more of an unbroken line than people realize
2: yeah that's true yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It it seems like they're in a rough spot right now, um, as like a movement, an organization, like on a kind of official level, seems to be kind of imploding. Although you never really know, right? Um, we've started finding kind of new iterations of like more extreme, yeah. kind of Temple of Blood inspired stuff popping up in the U.S uh that's connected to like more you know this like siege-pilled groups so like it's definitely not going away uh anytime soon and you know it's kind of gotten out of Maya's hands which you know ironically is what he always you know w- what his claim is that like he doesn't control anything but he really did until very recently um and so you know it, who knows i mean there is still talk of uh, of it, of the 9 a being made illegal in the UK. Um, that was kind of more on the agenda, I think about a year or so ago. I haven't heard much about it since then. Um, but like, you know, that's, that still might happen, but you know, that's not going to change anything as far as I'm concerned. Like, I think, um, you know, you'll probably still continue to see O9A stuff for the foreseeable future at least.
0: I was going to ask, too, because, you know, Wikipedia is not exactly the most reliable source, but I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and, uh, you know, the order of nine angles, their wiki page. And it's bringing up like um, it has a list of allies. Uh, So it Mm -hmm. says like Adam off in the base, Black Order, Combat 18. um, And then it says Azov Battalion, And then it says in parentheses, denied. So (laughs) I I was just like, is there any connection there? Or is that? just propaganda or what, what's going on there?
1: Atomwaffen uh, members claimed that they had a connection with the Azov battalion. So I think that maybe that's the source for that. Some of the said like ex-members who gave interviews said that they had connection a connection with them and were in like communication with the Azov battalion.
2: Yeah. I mean that, I think that's where that officially comes from. Of course, we know that also like the, you know, ABG via the Montenegrin Orthodox Church also has a direct line to um the Ukrainian nationalist movement through you know this bishop Boris um who you know went to seminary in in one of the splinter branches of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church that was um kind of founded during their fascist period uh, in the 1930s uh, or in, in during World War II rather um and is like an avid supporter was there during maidan and the like but of course that's not ex- directly connected to the 0-9A itself um i think that they've taken differing positions on on the ukraine war no um probably yeah from what i've seen there are the like a lot of support for like azov and the like um but then was it myat who said that they that they'd support russia for like you know sinister dial- dialectic reasons probably i mean uh, one of those assholes did i can't remember at this point you know, um so russia yeah he's I mean, more
0: evil we must support them
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like they're more, more likely to bring on the collapse or something i don't know uh the nuclear apocalypse
0: I, I was gonna ask what is your take um because i know you guys have done a few episodes on the azov stuff and i I know it's like controversial to even talk about Azov, and I do think there's people on like this pro-Russia trip that are sort of um, conflating like Ukraine with being entirely just this neo-Nazi country, which I think is BS. Uh, You know, the Bandera sort of types seem to come from Western Ukraine. So what, what do you think, I guess, what do you think people are missing in the conversation about Ukraine and nationalism?
2: Uh, any sort of nuance i don't know (laughs) i mean like i think that they don't you know i think a lot of people that are talking about it only started following it post maidan right um and kind of not really understanding the the whole history of like fascism in both ukraine and russia and how they intersect and you know where they differ and so like you know like you said, there is that tendency by like super pro-Russia to people to be like Ukraine is a Nazi state. Of course, it is, you know, there aren't very many states that have like a far right, but far right battalions integrated into their official military. I mean, that that is true, but those people also don't know about like the history or ignore the history of Russian fascism. And then yeah, it goes the other way around, right? Then on Twitter, all the pro-Ukraine people would be like, you know, okay, but look, Russia has fascists too. But both of that is true there, there are fascists on both sides so i mean if you're looking at it strictly like i mean we try to you know because we do focus on far-right stuff in particular we focus on those groups whether they're in russia or whether they're in, in the u.s and try to understand them ideologically and um i don't know like it's it i, I don't want to like you know <laughs> position myself too much on focusing on one or the other, right? I think it's 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 important to try to analyze where they come from, their history, and what they believe in now, uh, as opposed to this kind of broad stroke generalizations of, you know, Russia is a Nazi state, Ukraine is a Nazi state. At least that's my position.
0: Yeah, and I, well, I, I think that's yeah. the reasonable position. I think it's something that, I, I think people should think about it more because, you know, they fascism exists a lot of different countries and i i think you have to talk about it in a very thoughtful way in order to understand that i mean these things are dangerous you know a a fascist movement can grow over time but it's not just in ukraine or russia i mean it's you know there's fascist movements everywhere so
2: yeah i mean i think with some of the ukrainian ones i found really interesting because um some of them are kind of on the cutting edge (laughs) of like you know developing kind of new modern ideas and incorporating like i don't know like anti-state eco-fascism and um
0: what what is anti-state eco-fat is that like cola type stuff or uh
2: like like ted kaczynski or whatever okay, okay, okay uh, like okay, unabomber yeah. stuff but like really like incorporating it into their ideology of like you know the collapse and i don't know just like the other day i, I saw a post on one of these um telegram groups that are like, yeah, let them destroy the infrastructure. Like, you know, let them destroy like power. Like we want like, you know, an ecological revolution and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting when you're just looking at the ideologies of those particular groups, cause they, they are very dynamic and they have been growing in, in really interesting ways. And it's true in Russia too, to a lesser extent, the ones that are more, um, modern or like filled with like hip young people tend to be kind of more on the pro-Ukrainian side, like Russian neo-Nazis that are on the side of the Russian state are very like, you know, imperialist traditionalists, you know, like bring on the Orthodox monarchy. There's some pagan stuff there too, but like really the, the main groups there are very much like that kind of old school, you know, this belongs to us and or Orthodox on the other the side, like
1: Duganists and National Bolsheviks. Right, 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 right.
2: But that's kind of a whole other thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we, we, we will talk about that another time. Um, I also just wanted to uh, talk about this before I let you guys go. I know we've gone long, uh, but I, I guess when we talk about neo-fascism and neo-fascist movements, I said earlier that sometimes I think we use the term neo-fascism in a way where we forget that there is I think a line between, you know, uh, the fascism of, of yesteryear and today, could you guys speak to that? And maybe what people miss about, I guess I, I would say post-war fascism. I know there's a lot of theories, conspiracy theories about the post-war fascist international. So, um, I don't know what you guys think of all that.
1: I mean, using these different terms, in makes some sense. Um, uh, in a sense that you know after the second world war fascists really operated in a very different context in a very different way and had to uh ideologically uh, adjust to some point so i think using the term neo-fascism in that sense um is okay to some degree but you're right to point out that there is also like m- much more uh continuity than uh, than people uh, uh realized and often you know many of the original nazis and fascists really remain active even post-war for a long time uh, you know we we talked about for we had a like, whole mini arc about ezra pound you know and he was like an incredible guy one of the worst people that we covered really it made me depressed to read so much of his stuff but he was like um really had like a lot of continuity in being like, a horrible fascist for decades you know Like, uh, you know, being a Mussolini supporter until the very end, you know, even when Mussolini lost lots of support in 43 uh, pounds, remained loyal and supported the Holocaust. And then after the war, you know, when he was in America, he was very much uh, a part, although he was, you know, in the mental institution, he was very much a part of the... um, uh, anti like desegregationist movement in the south, and was close as an advisor to the most extreme and violent parts of that movement, and kind of connected to basically racist terrorists who were active in the south of the US. And then, when he moved back to Italy until he died, he was connected with the uh, Italian so called neo fascists, we would call them, and you know, who also had these Europe wide connections and so on. So, there in, in that. Since you, through just that one person, we can see a lot of continuity there in different, you know, time periods. And then this other thing that you alluded to, you know, we mentioned Gladio, and there is, that's also a big part of post-war neo-fascist history. The fact that many of the original fascists and then also neo-Nazis and neo-fascists basically were um absorbed by the Western you know intelligence structures um for anti-communist work uh in the, you know during the Cold War then then became you know really terrorism. Uh, and that's a big part of uh you know uh, fascist history post-war
0: Now I guess in that regard, uh, just to sort of wrap it all up with with regards to what we talked about with like, um, 09A and this Joshua Sutter being, you know, an FBI informant, how important is this whole element of, you know, this guy who's heading up, you know, a major part of the 09A being uh, involved with the FBI? How important is that? And, um, you know, I, I guess a lot of people wonder if if this is all sort of an FBI creation. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's it's uh, it's something I've heard people bring up. And I was just wondering your thoughts on that.
2: I mean, the FBI tends to create problems that it solves, right? That's, that's like kind of the whole point of their like embedded, like informants or like, you know, guys that are, you know, doing stuff in neo-Nazi groups It's try, to try to like set up a situation in which they'll do something extreme and then catch them for it. And, you know, Sutter is an interesting example because he was able to do a lot more than a lot of them before he, you know, he started, he had to go to prison for it and, I think that the problem with, you know, the FBI does create a lot of these groups, but, you know, the traditional neo-fascist neo-Nazi groups or whatever in the U.S., however you want to call them, uh, tended to be pretty, you know, hierarchical in the sense that, like, you know, they did have, you know, like one or two guys up top and then, like, you know, you, you behead the organization and that's it. You know what I mean? Like it falls apart. They turn into a bunch of different groups uh, and that's not really the case with. Uh, with the 9 a and the Temple of Blood, right? Because it, you know, really developed as an online phenomenon to begin with, and you know, it is, you know, some it has some sort of decentralized uh, nature to it, right? And that's uh, that makes their fuck up all, you know, the worse, right? Because <laughs> you know they they promoted this press, you know, Martinet Press for you know like a for a long ass time they were publishing all their stuff and gathering more and more supporters than they ever had and you know um even though like you know sutter and the temple of blood have been officially discredited by like you know the old guards a lot of people you know and i've seen this in like A chats and the like they'll be like yeah sutter was a fed but you know tob was really the best you know like they really had it you know the best ideas and whatever and like we don't want to renounce like you know some some temple of blood's teachings and philosophies you know regardless of whether sutter was a fed or not
0: so how can my listeners keep up with the work you guys are doing at the empire never ended and uh anything you want to say in closing
2: uh well i mean um you can we produce the, the terrible amount of content i guess um <laughs> I would have a hard time following it if I if I listened. Uh but yeah, we have two episodes a week, this kind of standard format of one free one, one Patreon one. So um yeah, you can find us at anywhere you get podcasts at the Empire Never Ended podcast or uh, you know, pod on Patreon. Um we also try to Twitter. like yeah. also Twitter that we're we're bad at social media, so yes, um, very bad. Yeah, we're yeah. Uh, so you, you can see some things on Twitter, but not very much. We're not super active. We should probably get on that at some point. Um, although I guess it's not going down. I
1: don't know. Um, yeah, we also did uh, uh, write uh, one uh, article, uh, which is on Medium. And that's about the an article we wrote about the ABG Lodge. So you can also find that it's called Nazi, uh, Nazi Satanist Order of Nine Angles is infiltrating the state and church in Montenegro. It sounds very tabloidy, but it's true.
0: Well, just the name of
1: the the lodge is
0: like tabloid fodder. The what, yes. natural bone gnaws. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. Yeah.
2: laughs> and it's tabloid, but it's true. You know that's the worst part. Like you know, didn't make up a single thing in there. They are Nazi Satanists who infiltrated the church and state. I mean, ridiculous.
0: Well, thank you, Ray and Boris, again, for coming on Parallax Views. And I hope everyone will check out the Empire Never Ended podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having us. Well, that does it
0: for this edition of Parallax Views. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ray and Boris of the Empire Never Ended podcast. It's a really great resource if you're interested in monitoring the activities of right-wing extremists and understanding neo-fascism in the world today. As always, if you appreciate the work I do here at Parallax Views, please consider supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com slash parallaxviews. One more time, that's patreon.com slash parallaxviews. And with that being said, Until next time, you've been listening to Parallax Views with Jeralax Michael. Views. To Parallax Views with
1: The way out is not simply to say, don't do it, just to prohibit it. If nothing else, if we don't do it, others will be doing it like great. Right? So, you know, we have to confront the problem.